God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I hope everybody had a nice, wonderful Christmas. And uh, this is the week that I think people could take a little bit of a break, right? A little bit of a, you know, take it easy. Take it easy. That's that's what I like to do. So uh, I'm hoping that people get to do that. You know, that, uh, you know, and just kind of coast right into the new year. Uh, for me, this year, <laughs> this year has been one of the biggest challenges of my life. Uh, not just with my health uh, issues, but also it started off, I always tell people, one heck of a year. And uh, I always remind them it started off with this J6th and uh, insurrection. Uh, no, not insurrection. Infiltration, I mean to say. Infiltration. This FBI attack on American people. Uh, you know, there's coming out with new video. Uh, Julie Kelly is on this. You know, she's a writer over at The American Greatness. And she's been on this story, man. She's got the best content. She's got the best sources. She's got the, she's put in the most, logged the most hours in terms of research. And I'm telling you, She's just come out with another one over at American Greatness where they said surveillance shows D.C. police bleeding, beating a woman on J6. That's new. That's a brand new story she just put out. And uh, no wonder they don't want to show the 14,000 video uh, hours, right? Because they were the ones spread, uh, spraying bear, bear spray and all that. But it started out, the 2021 started out with 20, J6th, a complete infiltration, a complete infiltration from the FBI and our government and Nancy Pelosi's Stasi police. Nancy Pelosi, the queen bee of wrap-up smear. Let's take a listen to what she calls it. She calls it a wrap-up smear. Let's, let's see if I can find what she was talking about here. So let's see. 
in tonight's fact or right falsehoods and all smear somebody right here it is is real here's the clip you smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest and then you merchandise it and then you write it and they'll say see it's reported in the press that this 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 and this so they have that validation some websites are sending around this video as proof the Democrats made up the assault allegations. So the Democrats have been doing that for years. Actually, I wish I had a better clip of that. Let's see. Uh, I think I got it right here. Let's, let's try this one. Let's get sophisticated about this, okay? <laughs> okay? Would that be? We will proceed when we have what we need to proceed, not one day sooner. And everybody has the liberty and the luxury to espouse their own position. Well, anyway, it was a wrap-up smear. I got these clips up. So the wrap-up smear is exactly what they've been doing, right? Uh, Let's see, smear tactics right here. The difference is we don't engage in the politics of personal destruction. The fact is that if we just talk about the issues, for example, I think it would be interesting to people in these districts to know that the Speaker wants to take away the guarantee of Medicare. So I think talking about issues is where we should be. What is the difference in one person being Speaker than another? It's a self-fulfilling problem. You demonize and then you, it, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest. And then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic, and it's, it's, it's self-evident. But I think I'm worth the trouble, quite frankly. I, I love the fray. I so we've been talking about circular reporting for forever. It's exactly what they did with the Russian hoax. It's exactly what Fiona Hill did when she was colluding with her uh, bandits, list of bandits over at the Brookings Institution. The, those people that, that call themselves thinkers at a think tank like the Brookings Institution, they're anti-American thinkers is what they are. And they sit around and they hatch up these dossiers and they try to unseat a duly elected president. And they did that, you know, against President Donald Trump. President Donald Trump, by the way, uh, one of the victims of the uh, tornado, I think, in Kentucky, sent uh, these gifts out. Something that you would find a president to do you know, thought, packaged it up, and made this little girl's Christmas dreams come true. This is the kind of thing that uh, President Trump's been doing his whole entire life. But this circular reporting that she's talking about, this wrap-up smear, is a tactic that only the left could get away with. Because the conservatives and the right don't have access to the media. They can't circular report anything. The media is never going to cover the story that they would want to plant. They bury the stories. 
Just like we see when they pick, uh, they turn a blind eye to Antifa or Black Lives Matter, but they throw the book over at the Patriots that were walking inside the Capitol building. And, you know, from all accounts, from, from so many reports, the people that were leading the charge in breaking and entering the Capitol weren't even people that were Trump supporters. There's people on video footage saying, you know, I just bought my MAGA hat today. I can't believe I'm going to wear it. You know, they were in costume. But this circular reporting is exactly how they do it. It's also known as a trial balloon. If you want to float some idea out there, you float it out there, see what kind of public reaction, and then deny it. But, you know, it's done for all, all kinds of purposes. You know, I wish we had a government that just was straight with the people. But they're not. You know, kind of the theme of today is something that we've been on a theme for a long time here, and that's really the uh, globalist takeover of the world. You know, and, and I always think back to like the 80s, back when Herbert Walker Bush was talking about a new world order and he was talking about uh, not a war of the jungle, you know, but a one world. And then remember Bono and U2 and every all these rock stars were profiting from AIDS to Africa. And all these rock stars were talking about, we are the world. And they would do one world. There was a new coin phrase, one world. This is the people's world. One world, no countries, no borders. Wouldn't it be a great utopia? What kind of weed were they smoking back then? What kind of acid trip were they really on? That these influencers, these celebrities would get together with that kumbaya moment, holding hands, singing around the world. We're going to sing around the world. We are the world. We're going to try to stamp out AIDS in Africa. And we're going to do all these good things. Well, those problems were never solved. Apparently, they did it wrong, right? Because we have the benefit now of hindsight being twenty twenty and all. And they didn't fix that problem. That problem still exists. They're still living in dirt huts. How long does it take to actually build a couple of high-rises and put people up in their um, in new apartments? It doesn't take that long. Shouldn't have taken that long for Haiti. Were the Clintons really all about helping people? I doubt it. Especially when they line their pockets with, with all this profit. You know, Robert Kennedy Jr., son, Robert Kennedy Jr., I guess is his name. Um, we're going to play a clip from him. But I want to tell you, I heard that clip second. I came up with these notes, and then I listened to this clip, and it's really kind of straight in line with exactly what it is that, that I wrote up today for today's notes. And my notes are basically about, you know, like around Christmas. And I forget what it was, but I was talking with Leonor about it, and... I was like, what is up with all of these checkboxes and these stories we watch? All these different television shows and everybody, you know, is either interracial now or 
everybody is, and that's fine. Interracial's fine, but it's got to be like mandatory. I don't think that's healthy when you basically are reflecting something that's not really there. You know, we don't talk about the black crime. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, you know, every video and I'm watching, like I was just watching a Chicago killings again this weekend. And it's like this uh, little young kid got shot on Christmas Eve, <clears throat> straight bullet. And they were talking about policing and they were talking about how unfortunate it is that, you know, with that uh, Potter, I think the woman's name is, she was a police officer that, is going to do 20 years in prison or 10 years in prison. I think she gets sentenced this week. As will Ghislaine Maxwell's verdict is going to be coming out probably this week. But they were talking about the the difficulties of policing in Chicago particularly, where the street thugs feel like they got the police on the run, that they've already won. Thanks to people like Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox and and even Jesse Smollett making a mockery of things. I wonder what kind of book is going to be thrown at him for the racial hatred that he sowed. That was a hate crime, if you ask me, what Jusse Smollett uh, did. But a lot of this crime, this violent crime is is coming from the blacks. And sure enough, Victor Davis Hanson came out and said, yeah, well, you know, the statistics aren't lying. They are what they are. And all I'm saying is, instead of turning a blind eye to Marxist groups like Black Lives Matter, uh, why why not call it out and say, where are the black leadership? Does anyone care about black inner city struggles anymore? I, I, I wonder where the leadership is. You know, say what you will about Bill Cosby. Uh, He was actually one of the great leaders for black communities. Despite all of his shortcomings, he used to press and push personal responsibility and education. And every time he gave a speech, he was wearing some sort of university thing. And, you know, and the thing is, is that we just need to call things. We cannot be politically correct Trump was so right when he threw a blind eye to political correctness. And he basically said, I'm going to call them anchor babies. Or he referred to the people crossing the border as thugs and the worst of the worst of the worst. And part of that, though, was suggesting that, you know, if you want to be the scum of the earth and the worst of the worst, He's basically saying, why would you ever want to be part of that group? Why would you ever want to hire a coyote to put you in a caravan of people crossing the border illegally, disrespecting the laws to the country you're about to enter? How's that for starting a relationship? You're already starting off with a lie. You enter into any kind of relationship, and if it starts with infidelity or cheating. It starts with a lie. You will never fully respect that partner, that relationship, because it started off with a bunch of crap. 
And that is so true. That's why relationships that start through affairs and infidelity never fully, uh, you know, there are exceptions, but for the most part, they fail because they've already seen each other in their worst. And you could take that relationship to migrants and the exploitation and the lies and the deceit. They already have like a little cheat sheet card that says how you go about getting asylum. I wish we all had a cheat sheet card with regard to how to get out of a relationship. Like, for example... Uh, how to get a uh, vaccine mandate exemption. I don't want to enter into that relationship. I want to be out of that relationship. And I would love to know what the actual blueprint is. For But it's, it's uh, when it comes time for you to, to get out of something with the government, especially when you're dealing with the liberal intolerance government, then you're dealing with a whole nother ball of wax. You know, they just came out with a new study. 37% of liberals choose not to have friends that are conservatives. And only 5% of conservatives choose not to have friends that are Democrats. Which would tell me that if only 5%, meaning 95% of conservatives, don't care. They care about the person. They, they uh, will be your friend even if you are a liberal. But with liberals, only, only uh, 50, 40, 63%, 63, not 95% like the conservatives, but 63%. Only 63% of liberals will choose to be your friend if you're a conservative. That is a level of intolerance and that's a disparity. And that's why they stay so in lockstep. But that's also why they drink the Kool-Aid. That's why they don't drink think outside the box. That's why they're not going to succeed in the long run. Because they've isolated themselves into a into an ivory tower. But that ivory tower has a shelf life. So last week was talking about, you know, all this crime and it seems to be a lot of it is disproportionately minority we got to do something about this folks we can't live like this we can't but now with this globalism this globalism and what it's all about i wrote this in my notes i said promotion of homosexuality and trans sexuality, and socialized medicine, vaccines, COVID pandemics, all point to population controls. Remember last week, I played the clips about Bill Gates saying, you know, and vaccines and socialized medicine and reproductive services, you know, code words for abortion, death panels, and vaccines that kill you. You know, all of that is is part of the population control. And Jane Goodall, uh, the safari woman, 
she said population control is a ver- real problem. And again, they're looking at it through the lens of uh, human flatulence. You've heard of cow flatulence causing the ozone or, you know, green cl- climate initiatives. Hey, we can't have that cow flatulence, right? I love this thing, this clip. I'll probably never be able to find it, but and I'm not going to find it today. But I think it was Elizabeth Warren was talking about cow flatulence. And then they got a farmer that really knows what he's talking about. And he says, you see that paddock up there and all along that ridge? He said, the cows, when they do their business up there, it actually comes downstream, fertilizes. It actually is like a great ecosystem. Without the cow flatulence, this, this, this would all be dead grass or whatever it was. He made up, a really, it made, it made for a very technical discussion about how, you know, the ecosystems depend on all facets of life. And that by taking the cows and killing them all and not having any more cow flatulence would have some unintended consequences or negative aspects to it. These liberals, with their social engineering and human controls, don't always think through. You know, we've often heard the stories about how you take a certain, like, you know, let's get rid of all the maggots or let's get rid of all the mosquitoes or let's get rid of all the this or that. And next thing you know, you have this then, uh, whatever that was, mosquitoes or next thing you know, you have another species that's dying off because they were eating the mosquitoes. You know, next thing you know, you have these species that are dying off and it disturbs the ecosystem. And you've got to say to yourself, why not just let God do his work? You know, God knows best. I think God figured this out. All of a sudden, some libtard wants to come in here and in the name of science wants to change everything. Like gender mutilization. And then it dawned on me. I was uh, over the weekend. I was thinking about it. And again, my notes. I said, this whole promotion of homosexuality, trans, specialized, socialized medicine, vaccines, COVID pandemics, all point to population control. And you wonder if that is part of the climate initiative. Less population means less global warming. Less population means less human flatulence. So not only is it about cow flatulence, it's about human flatulence. And they continue to say in this absurd way, it started with Obama when he gave his commencement speeches at Navy and the Coast Guard, said, it's not nuclear weapons. It's not nuclear war that's the biggest threat to our existence. That presents the most existential threat to us. It's climate change. And I was like disturbed by that, that he said that. And then you heard, um, you know, one of the uh, State Department spokespersons say, yeah, well, you know, climate change is really what's causing terrorism uh, because it's so hot. It's driving them crazy. I said uh, to myself, hmm, okay, so that's that's what's going on in Syria. Let's drive like an hour southwest and go to Israel. Why is it not the same there? Is the heat different there? 
<laughs> it's a little warmer because it's probably more southern, right? But somehow it's not, you know, causing them to go crazy and blow each other up. So don't, you know, don't treat us like we're stupid because we're not. So I go on to say in my notes, as does climate change, refugees, and open border migration controls toward voter demographics, slave labor, and zero conflict, theft of precious minerals from third world developing countries and their people. I always said this. For years I've said this. I said, do you remember when uh, there was a Syrian refugee problem that the globalists created? They always create these crises. They create the crisis, then they put out the fire, and then they benefit from all the different benefits that you can benefit from from a crisis. Whether it's slave labor or whether it's robbing the earth of their precious minerals without ever having to fire a shot. And I always like to look at things from an outside-of-the-box perspective. And I remember all my patriot friends were saying, look at these caravans. Why are they all fighting-age males? Why is that caravan coming up through the southern border all fighting-age males? And why is uh, are all the refugees coming out of Syria and Afghanistan fighting-age males? Where are the women and children? Why are they not migrating to Europe and to the United States? And a lot of my patriot friends looked at it from a linear perspective and said, well, it's a caliphate. It's a jihad. They're invading Europe or America. And then there were others that said, they're going to become voters real soon. And they're going to vote for the Liberal Party because the Liberal Party is going to give them all free stuff. But the caravan of fighting age males, you know, and I think even President Trump um, had this really great video, you know, and he talked about the snake. And, you know, you let me in and then you bit me, right? He talked about that poem. I love that poem. And I love it every time he does it, when he reads it. But I said, what if it's about... What if it's not just about them invading Europe? What if it's about the globalists acting like a matador, holding a red cape, and those fighting age males, we'll call them bulls, are coming through into Europe and they become sheep. The bulls, the fighting age males, get converted to sheep. Good little taxpayers working slave labor jobs and dishwashers, work, work in those dishwashers in every restaurant in Paris or New York City, 18 hours a day, trying to send a little crumb of money back home to their families. Their families, weak and poor, with their earth and their homes destroyed through the senseless wars of brought about by the globalists. But what's left? All that's left in Syria and Afghanistan is their rare earth minerals. Did the globalists then march right in, buy 
the land pennies on the dollar. China's doing it right now in Afghanistan, folks. Don't think it's not done. We were just outplayed and outflanked by our real competitors in this world, and that's that's Iran and and that's Russia and that's China. And they took advantage of our stupidity in Afghanistan. But what we leave behind is we leave behind all these precious minerals that these globalists then go in and take. It used to be that we did it through colonialism. And if you talk to a lot of people in Africa, they'd say, yeah, the English, the British, the French, they all colonialized. And you'll hear Ilhan Omar and uh, the like talk talk about their anti-colonial beliefs. But what's interesting about it, too, is that if you go to Kenya and elsewhere, if you were to talk to Barack Hussein Obama's brother, Harry, half-brother, he would tell you, you know, what's funny is that the states that were colonialized are actually the wealthiest, best places to live in Africa. And it's the states that never were colonialized or impacted by colonialism. They're the ones doing the worst, run by the tyrannical warlords and tribesmen that murder and slaughter and have Sharia law. They weren't influenced by the West at all. And so they have these very primitive, inhumane laws and guidelines. And so that was a reverse way to look at it, though. Instead of looking at it as that group of fighting age males invading Europe, you flip that coin around and basically it's the guy holding the red cape like the matador wooing these bulls into becoming sheep and getting them to be slave labor workers with strong fighting age male backs and strong fighting age male legs and strong stamina to work the agricultural fields and pick those grapes in France or Italy. Whatever. But you got to always look at things from a different perspective because it's not always what you seem, what you see, or it's not always what it seems. Globalists have been outsmarting and out tricking and outplaying, and they sit there in Brussels acting all important with their red carpet treatment and their five star restaurants, and they plot out the world and they always try to make themselves look like they're altruistic like they're the the givers how can we save more and more lives how can we give more and more aid to africa and elsewhere but the problem is every everywhere they meddle everywhere they want to help they hurt I believe that the whole push for homosexuality and transgender and this whole push for all this crap is because you can't reproduce when you're gay. You can only adopt. And I think if you were to do a research and you had a hypothesis, you had basically you wanted to prove a, a, a proof and you did your research, you'd find there's a connection between 
climate change initiatives and the embracing of homosexuality or transgender to where there's no reproduction. There's no population growth in those communities. I remember Anita Bryant once said back in the 70s or 80s, and she said, of course homosexuality, homosexuals and trans, well, she didn't even say trans at the time, but she said, of course they have to recruit by being, you know, so fun and sweet and nice. Of course they have to put their smiles on and have fun. Hey, we're fun. Because they have to recruit. They can't reproduce. Anita Bryant made that quote famous. I, did, I, I kind of butchered it in the paraphrasing there. But, you know, the point is, <clears throat> I would, if, if, if the homosexualities knew that they were being played like a fiddle for climate change initiatives, they may reconsider their, their uh, liberal card that they're being played for fools. Because the party that's always been about human rights and personal freedoms and the pursuit of happiness and independence and Lady Justice being blind has always been of a conservative value. The party of tolerance, and again, go over to the New York Post. Don't take my word for it, but the New York Post has an article and it talks directly about the intolerance of the left. And it's in every statistical poll that you can actually shake a stick at. Where, you know, you just talk about friends, right? You know, the friends. Who who has more friends? I was uh, going to see if I could find that, find that article, but I, I, I can't find it. But, um, you know, you take, uh, it's just looking over there, though, and it says, Mark Zuckerberg adds reservoir with tragic past to his massive Hawaii estate. A reservoir. He's trying to keep people out, right? But it's true. It's this level of intolerance among the left. And we see it everywhere we turn. And it's sad that we have to deal with this. But I believe that a lot of the motivating factors with respect to moving away from Christian values. See, Christians are all about cultivating families, about having a town center, about worshiping Jesus Christ, about having a sense of community, about personal responsibility. If you look at the fabric and the foundation of Christianity. And if you read the Bible, which I'll confess I'm not a biblical scholar at all, um, but one thing I know is that it preaches that, you know, do unto others as they would you would have them do unto you. It, it also preaches about personal responsibility. And so the concept here is if you believe all those things, you're, you're going to basically use government at a minimal, you know, you're going to be very minimalistic as to how you depend on your government for assistance. 
you're going to basically, you know, depend on your family. And in fact, in uh, before, say, the New Deal, before Social Security even, before social welfare systems came into play, uh, you know, there's a movie that I really like. And if you uh, ever get a chance to see a, a pretty good, wholesome movie, it's called Avalon. Uh, it's it's really about family values, but it's about a Jewish family, actually. And it's about their evolution into uh, coming to America. And uh, it was by Barry Levinson. It was part of his trilogy. Liberty Heights, Diner, and Avalon were the three. I, don't, I actually am not a huge fan of Liberty Heights or Diner, but uh, Avalon was one that really I, I really liked. And um, and what was interesting about it is, you know, they were uh, they had some people that were struggling. They were coming to America. They needed some help, and they would get together as a family, and they would all uh, put together their funds, and they would contribute into a fund, almost like as if you were part of like a Kiwanis Club or a Lions Club or any of those types of clubs where you get together, you generate some funds, you put the money to good use for, and you have a vote on how you spend the money, like any any board. But the family was the board. And these these families would get together, and they call it a family circle meeting. And you would get together and you would figure out how to best spend your money. You give 10% to charity. Uh, you give to your church or your synagogue or whatever it is that you have. Speaking of religions, by the way, and that would, that would take, take, take away from government. And if you look at the um, don- donations to charities, the conservatives give more than the liberals. Every, this has been going on. These polls have been going on for, for years. Decades and decades. You know, and, and it's one of the sad things and one of the things I love when you take a listen to, say, either Ben Shapiro or uh, Dinesh D'Souza talk at college campuses. You hear these liberals talking about how they should give to the poor, give to this, give to that, give to whatever. And then the question is, how much do you give and the answer that the college student would give you, well, I really don't have any money. It's like, okay, so you're purporting that I give based on your wishes, but you're not really giving. And it's like easy to say, so, so I mean, if you want to, if you put your money where your mouth is and you'll be taken a lot more seriously. If you want to talk about giving back to you know, reparations for, for Black Lives Matter or whatever it is that you want to do. Fine, do it yourself. Lead by example. Maybe if you start leading and after a couple of years of that, we'll all start to, you know, get the idea. But don't come up with some idea about wealth redistribution and about reparations and all kinds of other stuff and you'd be the last one to pay out. Not fair, not cool, right? So let's take a listen to Robert Kennedy Jr. Man, he's been on a warpath. He's a liberal. 
But he's a liberal I totally agree with. He is that old school Democrat. And I've never been a Democrat. I never voted for a, a Democrat uh, ever. But what I will say is I try to keep an open mind in terms of tolerance levels. You know, when Bill Clinton went to the center after he realized the error of his ways and he realized that Newt Gingrich's uh, dominant Congress, uh, when Newt Gingrich was speaker, he realized he was going to have to get along to, to go, go along to get along or go get, get along to go along to, if he wanted to get anything done. And he chose to get things done rather than what we see today, which is into, a level of intolerance that's carried over to the administration to where they're not flexible at all. They don't have one compromising bone in their body. And yet, you know, they make these false promises that somehow you're going to reach across the aisle. They never reach across the aisle. And that's why Donald Trump, once again, was right when he said, go nuclear, Mitch. Because given the opportunity, they would go nuclear in a second. So let's take a listen to this. You think about this. I got expelled from Instagram because of vaccine misinformation. But Instagram and Facebook cannot point to one single erroneous statement that I ever made. Everything we post is vetted. It is sourced and cited to government databases or peer-reviewed publications. When they use the term vaccine misinformation, they are using it as a euphemism or any statement that departs from official government policies and pharmaceutical industry profit-taking. It has nothing to do whether it's true or false. It only has to do with what the political implications are. And who is doing this censorship? It's government officials in league with Bill Gates, with Larry Ellison, with Mark Zuckerberg, with Sergey Brin from Google, and with all of these internet titans, they have engineered not only the destruction of our democracy and our civil rights, but they have engineered the biggest shift of wealth in human history. $3.8 trillion from working people to these handful of billionaires, many of them from Silicon Valley. This pandemic has impoverished the world and created 500 new billionaires. And those are the people who are strip mining our economies and making themselves rich. And is it a coincidence that these are the same people who are censoring criticism of the government policies that are bringing them trillions of dollars? People aren't stupid. We can see what's happening. We can ask the question, qui bono? And the answer is the people who are benefiting are the people who are squeezing away our constitutional rights and engineering the destruction of democracy worldwide. See, now that is so right. I couldn't have said it better myself. These people that are in charge, you know, 
The thing about it is that I try to do here on the Scott Adams show is I always try to figure out the motivating factors. And I tell this story about how I had, you know, one of the, one of the people I respect the most, Heather, Heather McDonald. I, I love Victor Davis Hanson. I love Thomas Sowell, you know. I love these great thinkers. I just love them. And they're so inspiring with their, their you know, their, their wisdom. But what I try to do is I try to figure out what the motivating factors are. Like I could never figure out why it was that these corporations would be so woke, why they would turn their backs on middle-class working Americans, why Ford or GM would basically spit in the eye of the guy going uh, working hard in a blue-collar job driving his Ford 150 to work. They would turn their back on that guy. That is their customer. And it never I never understood. I couldn't figure it out for the life of me, for the years. Wrap my head around that, beat my head up over it. And I remember I had Heather McDonald on, and I asked her very first question uh, on that interview. And it's recorded, it's on a podcast. I maybe should play that clip one day. Um, which is uh, that question. Uh, I think I will. Uh, I'll have to think about doing that. Um, and she didn't give me an answer. I did. I gave an answer that said something about China. And that was actually kind of like a an answer where I was coming to the beginning of my thinking on the subject, but I hadn't evolved on it. And... Uh, but I said, yeah, they, they uh, are selling, you know, just like Universal, I said NBC Universal, you know, wants to build in China. So naturally, NBC is going to say things that pleases China. And I think that was in line correct. And she actually didn't agree with me 100% on that. She thought that might have been a little bit conspiratorial at the time. I actually think it's right. But I think there's more to it now. I, I, I think that there's slave labor markets. There's globalism controls that are influenced by, you know, climate initiatives. The climate initiative isn't about science. It's about control. And Robert Kennedy Jr., you just heard, is Bobby Kennedy's son. Uh, basically... Um, talked a lot about that too these green passports over in uh, Italy he's spending a lot of time over there and um, and we need more leadership like that that drives this home but what you're seeing I, I also said that I think that the metadata the reason why the NSA the NSA was all about metadata collecting metadata and um and the NSA was all about that. And metadata, right? And so, naturally, Facebook would change their name to Meta. Because they're all about metadata. It's almost a punch in the nose. It's a spit in your eye. It's a tongue-in-cheek. They don't care. They're laughing right in your face. And this censorship you know, knows no bounds. And so it's all about 
I think they're collecting data for the government, for the CIA, for the Pentagon. You know, and, and uh, China's in on it. TikTok is in every everybody who has a child. That TikTok app is in your house, listening to you, watching you. You know, that's what uh, concerned me a little bit when Kellyanne Conway's daughter was doing some crazy stuff on TikTok. And I said, she's the most important e- <clears throat> voice in President Trump's ear. And she's also with a Tasmanian maniac in George Conway. And um, together they got phones that connect with China servers. TikTok. You know, so it's it's scary because already, you know, when you install these apps, hey, can I have access to your camera? Can I have access to your microphone? Yes, yes. Otherwise, the app doesn't work too well, does it? So there's a lot of this stuff. And it's concerning. We're being eavesdropped in, in so many ways. You know, Canada, uh, Canada is uh, one of the worst offenders. It says here, Canada secretly tracked 33 million phones during COVID-19's lockdown. Made me think of the Patriot Act. You bomb a couple of buildings in 9-11, and next thing you know, you got yourself a Patriot Act. Bye-bye, civil rights. The government will do anything, use any tool, and they never give it back, right? The Patriot Act never went away five years after 9-11. Would have worked, you know, five years, okay. 15 days to slow the curve, okay. No, it's never going to end, folks, until you make it end. You're 330 million people. Act like it, right? Act like it. You're bigger and tougher and stronger than Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) We are the sleeping giant when we finally wake up one day and say no. That's what it's going to take. You know, this whole COVID-19 thing is a bit of a ruse. You just heard Robert Kennedy Jr. talking about censorship. Well, here's one meme. It says, holds, so, uh, so Aaron Rodgers is giving an interview, social distancing. They're about five yards apart. And next thing you know, they're like five yards apart, giving an interview. So, but check one, holds socially distanced interview. Check two, holds, hugs immediately after the interview. So now they're embracing in a hug after the interview's over. So that doesn't make any sense, does it? And then Trisha Flanagan says, there's no public health benefit to, mand- to a mandate that doesn't prevent spread and it's unconstitutional to boot. If that doesn't prove that there's another agenda. What will? What will do that? So, you know, you got a problem when uh, the Oregon Live, you know, you heard about that prankster who said something to Joe Biden about, let's go Brandon, right? And I thought that was funny. Oregon father of four who told President Biden's let's go Brandon on Christmas Eve calls, said he meant it in jest. Well, he's being he's getting death threats now. So he's trying to So Brian Stelter writes the reporter who landed the story behind that story, right? 
So they put it in the crime section. It's not a crime. Incidentally, New York Times editor, 49 years old, dies one day after Moderna booster shot. There is a baby that died also. So I post this up on Facebook. And this article written up by um, uh, Cheryl Atkinson, right? Cheryl Atkinson. And I, I write it up. I, I post it up and I, I, it gets censored by Facebook. It says, independent fact checkers say this could be misleading. So in any case, the article is about this. Pfizer and Moderna vaccines dramatically increase heart attack risk, renowned cardiologist warns. In an analysis presented during a meeting of the American Heart Association, Dr. Stephen Gundry, a pioneer in infant heart transplant surgery, said mRNAs, COVID vaccines put many patients at higher risk of a new acute coronary syndrome, such as a heart attack. And yet, somehow, that guy has to be censored because he doesn't agree with the state, which I find preposterous. So there's a lot of this going on, you know, and uh, it's got to stop. Bill de Blasio basically is sounding more like Hitler going after the Jewish community, saying, we will arrest you if you congregate in groups. You're not allowed to congregate. You know, it's a, it's a lot of this. Uh, one other thing before we run out of time, talking about Kwanzaa, I saw the College Republicans National Committee, along with Kamala Harris, and along with some other groups, the Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, all talking about Kwanzaa this year. It turns out that the Kwanzaa guy founded this group. He's a Marxist, radical lefty, raped women in the 70s and 80s. I mean, the guy's the worst of the worst. And somehow we're supposed to celebrate Kwanzaa now. I just, I was seeing Kwanzaa everywhere I would turn on social media. I'm like, I've never seen Kwanzaa get mentioned before. What's this about? And uh, I think it's the next play. It's this wokeism. And shame on the College Republicans National Committee for embracing Kwanzaa in their you know, celebra- celebrations on Twitter. Um, in any case, it's just one of these things where we got to wake up and say goodbye to the rhinos in our parties. Otherwise, we're going to have future rhinos like the College Republicans, right? In any case, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole, 